suddenly it said, Sven, everything is okay. And in split seconds, I was free of my confusion and I had light and I was back in peace. And I just knew God just spoke to me and then he gave me a prophecy. This is Charisma Connection. I'm Chris Johnson, and we have a visitor from the UK today by Skype, that is. Unfortunately, Sven Lauch was not able to come and visit with us, but uh, we can visit by Skype. So welcome to uh, Charisma Connection, Sven. Yeah, welcome. Thank you for welcoming me, Chris. Well, we're so happy to have you. Uh, Sven, you are a conflict trainer, which is very interesting. Let's get into that a little bit. And you are a motivational speaker and owner of a company that has an interesting name called Eyes Up, a conflict training provider that's based in Plymouth, and that's in southwest England in the UK. And Sven, you are, as you say, inspiring others to find a life without walls. What does that mean? Well, it really ties into my story. Um, I was born in East Germany, so the Berlin Wall coming down is one of the walls. So I play basically on that word with the walls. And while in the West, everybody saw like big freedom and yes, the Cold War is over and wow, people celebrating. For me, it actually turned my world upside down hmm. and really made me aware of a lot of inner walls, so the internal walls, these things that really limit me, that I can't progress or grow the way I wanted. Um, I was indoctrinated, so my mind was completely boxed in. Um, I learned that I couldn't deal with conflicts at all, so I had to learn to unbox that part of my heart to actually be willing to engage, even though it's uncomfortable. And um, so that's really what I'm basically about. And that's what I try to inspire people is to just, you know, unbox yourself, get out of these walls that limit you and live a life in freedom. I love that. So that's what you do with your company, Eyes Up, right? Yes. Okay. And then I'm sure this ties into your Christian faith as well. Yeah, my Christian faith is, is basically something that happened on the way. Um, mm. I became a Christian in 1994. I had an encounter with God, and um, God really spoke to me so loudly inside of me that I was in a place, space of confusion at the time, and really in a split second, it just was over. I just had peace. And I just thought, like, what was this? So mm. I just knew, you know, I had encountered God that day, but also at my crisis. Because actually, two years later, I tried to get rid of God for three years, and it didn't work. Oh, my. Wow, this <laughs> sounds like uh, quite a story, but I'm, I'm sure something difficult to live through. Well, let's step back a little bit. What was mm -hmm. it like to be born and raised in communist East Germany? You know, when I tell that part of my story, it always sounds like I lived in a perfect world. Um, it's just really the way I perceived it. Um, I grew up in a very safe country. We had food in plenty, even though many people think in communist countries they don't. But in East Germany, we really had everything we had. My parents both had a job. Uh, my mom was a teacher. My dad worked in a company, and he was a leader of the party um, at that time. And, you know, 
I had holidays twice a year. We went away, not necessarily abroad, but, you know, went on holiday. Food was very cheap. Childcare was free. Um, after school clubs were free. And all, all that kind of need part of life was always cared for. So I have this childhood experience of having lived kind of in a perfect environment where everything around you is safe. But what happened then? Well, then of course, when, um, when the Berlin Wall came down, and that was a really crazy, crazy thing. I mean, of course, there were uprisings over that year, and it seemed like something goes that way, but it was inconceivable that ever, ever the war would open. So I mean, it was it was inconceivable for those of us in the West, let alone you yeah. in East Germany. Yeah, I mean, I was told the wall was built to keep you out, mm -hmm. not to keep me in. So mm. you know, though there is that kind of part. You know, we had heard in school all the time about why communism is superior to capitalism. So things like I can really remember is when there were these terrorist attacks of the Red Army fraction in um, West Germany, you know, those were the things that were highlighted and said, like, you know, those things don't happen here. We really have peace, and these people try to fight um, against this capitalist regime that just uh, oppresses people, but, you know, we are all equal, we are free, we, we want to establish a much better way of living together. So that's what I believed, you know, that was really my full belief system. That was what I wanted to live and fight for in my life. Hmm. So so you were you were 15, correct, when the Berlin Wall fell? Yes, I was 15 and a half. Okay. Yeah. Did you have any brothers or sisters? I had a brother, unfortunately he died in a car accident in 2003, so ah. but he was 4 years younger than I am. Okay. So you, you shared this experience with your family. Yes, yes. You know, I mean, my parents, they, that, that was basically something that came out after the Berlin Wall came down. There were basically three shocking things that I had to come to terms with within weeks. So the wall came down. I go to school the next day, and the teacher who was teaching us all about communism suddenly stands in front of the class and says, well, that it would collapse one day was always clear. Hmm. And I thought, like, what? <laughs> That's not <laughs> what you thought. You know, so, so my worldview was rendered a lie literally overnight. Hmm. And then um, I had a career dream. I wanted to become a software engineer. Um, I had been advised to possibly go through the army to do that because it's the best way of really getting deep into things. And I had gone through all the application process and the medical checks and all that kind of stuff. And I had a confirmation of a career path by September 1989 that basically planned around 30 years of my life. So I would have retired by now. <laughs> hmm. But, you know, I was clear on the 10th of November 1989 that that is very unlikely going to happen. And, you know, that was my biggest dream at the time. That was really kind of what drove me, what, where my emotions was tucked in. I was so excited to, 
to live that kind of path ahead of me. And well, again, overnight, it suddenly just disappears. It just vanishes. So let me ask you, what was it like just as the Berlin Wall fell? And, you know, in just the subsequent months around that period, uh, how did your life change? Well, my life basically, I, I didn't feel anything about that. I must, must, must have been immediately in a state of shock that I really had no emotions, really. It just was suddenly everything was different, and you just tried to come to terms with it being different. So within weeks, our shops were suddenly uh, filled with West German products, you know, mm. and um, it seemed like nobody wanted the East German stuff anymore, even though many people didn't really know that a lot of the West German stuff was actually produced in East Germany. Mm. So. So, you know, it's was this kind of thing now, oh, the old stuff is all bad, now we wanna all all want the new stuff and it really killed our our industry, um, or what was left of it really. Um, uh, because people just stopped purchasing any of those goods. Um and they weren't necessarily bad quality, it just you know, people just stopped buying them. Mm-hmm. And um well, the other thing, and this was a that was a major thing that came to for me out is, and this was a shocker. This was a really big shock, is my parents basically told me about two or three weeks after the Berlin Wall came down that they had been under twenty four seven surveillance by the Stasi, the secret agency in in East Germany, because of a story of my granddad. And uh, my granddad was in the concentration camp of Buchenwald, or it is known as the concentration camp of Buchenwald. The Soviet Union basically had used these cam- um, camps as so-called special camps, and they imprisoned tens of thousands of um, people after the Second World War who would oppose uh, a communist system. And my granddad was one of them. So mm. he was basically in there until 1950. It's something that not many people know that actually in East Germany, those camps were still in operation until 1950. So and because that was a story that must never be told to anybody because that destroys this beautiful, clean image of communism, um, you know, my parents were forced that they are not allowed to tell to anybody that story. And if they pass it on to the children, the government would basically take their children away. Oh, my. So this impacted you. Well, that impacted me because I thought my parents were communists. Mm. You know, I, mm. I thought like my mom was a teacher, you know, she would basically have to teach all that kind of stuff. And my dad was a party secretary in the company where I worked. So in my point of view, you know, with my worldview, I was following my parents, and I suddenly find out they just lived a double life because they were more or less forced to. Mm. Were you part of any communist uh, organization for boys? Yeah, I mean, we had, um, as children, you had the pioneers till about your 14, and then you would turn, uh, go to the free German youth, which was the communist youth movement, and you kind of become part of that almost automatically. So yes. you could you could say no, but that could also mean you have disadvantages if you do so. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were other organizations like the um, German-Soviet uh, Friendship was another 
organization you would be part of to celebrate the friendship between the USSR and um, East Germany. So you were 15 when the wall came down, and you were about 20 when you became saved, correct? Yeah, yes, correct. So uh, give us what happened in those five years that led you to the place where you would be open to Jesus? Um, I mean, you know, we tried to come to terms. I did my A-levels at school. Um, That's your testing, some... for those who don't know. Oh, your your yeah. exams, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was basically um, the qualification you do at high school, probably, before you go to university. I'm not sure mm-hmm. if there is. Um, anyway, and then I I um, did not know what to do, really, with life. So my parents suggested to maybe become a banker, because both of my granddads used to be bankers mm-hmm. in the um, in the pre-war times and my other my mom's dad was still a banker as far um when he was when i knew him as a granddad but um you know i so i went to a bank but one thing i did with my friend at the time who also wanted to become an officer of the army we basically met each other in that application process and we stayed together and we both loved going out for coffee so, you know, we went out for coffee lots of times, checked out different coffee shops and um, enjoyed finding out how good it is and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And one day there was in that small town where we were close, lived close by, there was this new coffee shop, you know, a, a new youth cafe had opened there. And we said, like, ah, oh, come on, let's go and check it out. So that's what we did. We walked in there. And it was a weird place in a good sense. <laughs> um, it was like the people were so friendly and, you know, you could become friends with almost anybody in the room immediately. So there was like I, as if there's no barrier between people at all. And what I then learned was it was a YMCA uh, who had started that youth cafe as an outreach mm-hmm. Um and yeah, so that's kind of how I got to know God or I got to know Christians mm-hmm. in, in that kind of place. And then really funny, I mean, we went there in 93 and then I went to a f- camp with them in Christmas 93. And there was something really weird about me because I saw like, oh, this religious stuff seems to help people. Well, I can support that. If it helps people, I'm happy to support that. So I kind of, you know supported the Christian faith and started preaching the gospel more or less without actually believing myself. Hmm. And you saw the benefits. Yeah, I saw the benefits, you know, and I saw like, oh, if it helps people, I'm happy to help. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then um, 94, in that summer, I went to a summer camp and there was a misunderstanding um, or I had a problem with the leadership on that camp at some point. Um, I don't want to go into deep because it's too too detailed, but okay. I was really, really confused. And I thought, like, if this is really one of the parts, I don't want to have anything to do with this. And I'm really thinking I should probably leave tomorrow and just give my group of youngsters to somebody else. I went there as a youth leader, basically, group leader. And I thought, like, I'm going to give it over to somebody else and I'm just going to leave because I, I don't I don't want to get involved in this. But before I did, I said to my friend, who had become a Christian, by the way, um, he, I said to him, yeah, go to the staff meeting in the evening. I'm not going to come tonight. I'm just going to you know, take some time and think. So I sat down 
under a cross in the middle of that campsite, like five meters high. And I just sat under that cross and just started thinking. And that's basically where it happens. Suddenly it said, Sven, everything is okay. And in split seconds, I was free of my confusion and I had light and I was back in peace. And I thought like, wow. <laughs> and I just knew God just spoke to me, you know. And then he gave me a prophecy of a girl and that, that, that had to do with that I started basically caring for a girl um, that her team leader wasn't caring for, for the, her team really. So I just spent a lot of time with her talking. That was kind of what, part of the issue, that mm -hmm. they didn't want men to talk to girls. Oh, yeah. um, and, and, you know, and God said to me, she's going to become a Christian too, you know. And it happened. So that's kind of what happened in that camp. And that's how I got, found God. Wow, that's that's quite an amazing story. So, but really, friendship in a in a youth cafe is what led you to be open to matters of faith. Yes, yes, uh, it's very exciting. So, uh, Sven, we are uh, running out of time, unfortunately, okay. but we want people to know your whole story. And I understand that you are going to be sharing a TED Talk soon about the fall of the Berlin Wall. Could you give us some more information about that and how we can connect with you better? Yeah. I mean, uh, the TED Talk is on the 9th of November. It will happen in Sheffield in the UK, uh, the Sheffield Hallam University. Mm -hmm. um, it can be, I think they're going to live stream it on that day. It okay. starts at 9 a.m. British winter time mm -hmm, so it's mm -hmm. GMT um, but also they will put it on the video on the TED website I'm sure it will be there um, otherwise I mean you can just like my Facebook page on my of my business I will definitely share it there um, it's the handle is eyes up eyes UK. up e-y-e-s up okay yeah uh, and then eyes UK, up UK. so eyes up eyes up UK you can just like my page and just yeah, okay. we can just well, have a chat there. We'll learn more about you there. And you are a motivational speaker, and you you uh, live for conflict in a way. <laughs> yes, <laughs> No, yes. it says you love conflict. That's very interesting. So I'm, why is that, briefly? Why is that, briefly? Okay, when I got married, um, I had a mentor who, uh, one of his first questions he ever asked us as a couple was, how many arguments do you have? And it was an embarrassing answer. I said, like, well, one big one every week. <laughs> and he said, like, oh, I think you guys don't have enough conflict. Hmm. And then he started sharing that every time we're in a conflict situation, it's actually an opportunity to learn about each other's differences and to really make a connection on a deeper level if we stop fighting it, if we stop running away or trying to fight it off but actually come to the place of asking questions and really assertively going into the situation and find out and learn about each other and holding the tension of our differences, it will deepen connection and actually we will find a place of connection. And that's basically a journey I am on for the last 14 years that I found that actually that approach saved my marriage multiple times in the sense of, you know, I don't know, I probably had found multiple times to give up, 
but knowing, no, no, this is a good place we are in, and there is a place of growth and deepening our understanding about each other was every time, you know, so fruitful. And um, and I'm so thankful for this ability to basically kind of love conflict, not in the sense of fist fighting or fight and flight, but actually as a place of learning about other people and connecting on a really, really deep level. Ah, that's very interesting and, and a different perspective that can be useful in all relationships, I think. Yes, yes. So people can see why you have a conflict training providing company there in the UK. Yeah. And once again, if people want to reach out to you, it's uh, Facebook Eyes Up UK. Thank you so much, Sven Loch, for being with us today on Charisma Connection. Thank you very much, Chris. This has been a production of the Charisma Podcast Network. Steve and Joyce Strang are the founders and owners of CPN. Dr. Steve Green is the executive producer of the Charisma Podcast Network. We intend to honor God with every podcast and remain thankful to our advertisers and supporters who make these podcasts possible. 